0: Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
1: And here we are at Saturday morning. Time for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're here for a full three hours if you'd like to be part of the program. All you have to do, pick up your telephone, 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC is the number. And um, we're going to take a lot of calls. And we're going to cover a lot of ground this morning. Later on this morning, of course, we have Princess Di. And we also have a very special guest coming on, Chris Jasper. If the name isn't familiar, the Isley Brothers certainly are. Chris Jasper, one of the Isley Brothers, uh rock and roll hall of fame, uh, musician, composer, arranger, producer. And he's got a new song. You're going to hear that. But we're going to also reminisce and go through The Ozzy Brothers, of course, one of the most iconic R&B and rock and roll groups in American history. So what fun. We're looking forward to that. There is a story this morning from Biz Pack Review, and also you can find it in the New York Post. Dozens of New York City education staffers are going to be put on leave. Vax cards, apparently they are accused of using fake cards to prove they had complied with COVID-19 vaccination orders. Now, who would do that? I mean, do we believe that? Do we believe
2: that people would do that?
1: Uh, Let's see. Screenshots of the notice. This was in the New York Times, uh, New York Post. Illustrate the ominous nature of the command, which is couched in vaguely threatening bureaucraties full of acronyms and official-sounding jargon. The UFT says 70 teachers have been placed on leave without pay for allegedly giving fake vaccine cards. The number apparently is under 100. And the message, we have received information... That the proof of vaccination that you uploaded to the DOE vaccine portal, pursuant to the New York City Health Commissioner's order requiring vaccination of all NYC DOE staff, was fraudulent. And then it goes on more, 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 more. You're going to be punished. You're bad people, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not going to pay you. So we shall see. Now, some, there's pushback by some saying, hey, 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 my vaccine card is real. And this is a mistake. We shall see in coming days and weeks how this plays out. Now, I have a suggestion. For some of you teachers who might be caught up in this scandal, just go back and tell the DOE that you are professional athletes. Because professional athletes in New York City do not have to comply to the vaccination rules pursuant To Mayor Adams, tell them that you are an elite New Yorker. You are not like the scum peasants who have to follow the rules. You are a member of status. You have status in the system. You're an athlete. You don't have to obey the damn rules. The rules are meant for little people, not for you. Try that. You have nothing to lose. And if all else fails, I don't know what to tell you. Because there are a lot of people who don't want the vaccination and there are a lot of people who have, believe it or not, good reason, based on their own health histories, not to take
2: certain, how shall we say, chemicals
1: into their system, especially when there is no long-term study as to the effects. Now, I am vaccinated. I say this every time. I got vaccinated, and oh, yeah, that worked. I got COVID and nearly died from COVID after I had, was vaccinated. It was, it, and My COVID case was pretty ugly. In fact, we have a podcast series that we have not launched yet because we're still assembling the stories called Your COVID Stories where we're asking people to give us an account of what they went through with COVID. And we are going to be talking with frontline doctors in this, frontline nurses. And everyday people that experience COVID, because there's more to this than we are told. I saw a study a few weeks ago, another one of these stories, that was knocking hydroxychloroquine and knocking ivermectin and all this stuff, because, and this is the stuff that'll get you thrown off social media. If you go on and say, well, you know, this drug did this, this drug did that, then you have these these censors over on social media who say, no, 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 you're violating our rules. You can't do that. That's misinformation. Well, how do you tell somebody that there's misinformation with their own story? In my case, I had a frontline doctor who thankfully kept me out of the hospital. I had oxygen machines brought into the house. I had, thank God, my niece and my nephew were there taking care of me. I was hallucinating. I was going through all kinds of stuff. And I was at death's door more than once during the experience. And at one point, I was prescribed the ivermectin. And I got sick as a dog as soon I I was already sick as a dog. I got incredibly nauseous after I had the dose of ivermectin. So my doctor took me off immediately, and then she said, well, because of where you were, if we were going to prescribe hydroxychloroquine, we should have done it earlier, but we're going to do it now and introduce it now anyway. And as soon as I got the, the hydroxychloroquine, that's when I started improving immediately. So I don't want to hear anybody tell me that hydroxychloroquine didn't work, doesn't work, not proven because it worked for me. And that's a truth. It's not made up fiction. It is an experience. And so I don't need CNN. I don't need the, the, the good little liberal children over at Twitter who are shaking in their boots right now because they think, They might actually have a new boss over there, Mr. Musk. And Mr. Musk doesn't go along with all the censoring that they've been doing over there. He actually supports free speech. So now you have all the children over at Twitter shaking in their boots. But they will cancel you if they don't like what you have to say, not only about COVID, but about the elections or about any of the other issues that we are dealing with in our society. Now there is one issue, and we've been dealing with. We we look. We've had some wonderful calls from people over the last few weeks that have transgendered, and they've been very informative and and very enlightening. And I o- have always said about this, as long as I've been doing this show, that I understand uh, the dysphoria. This that you cannot like your body. Anybody that used to be like a, a looker when they were young. And then when they get old, turn into kind of a fat person, overweight, start losing your hair and stuff. You look in the mirror and you say, damn, who is this person? This is not who I was. I don't like this body. I get that. And so I can also get how people feel. I don't understand it all, but I can understand conceptually how people feel when they say, I don't like my body for whatever reason. And it could be gender. It could be something else. So I've never said that these people are out of their minds. They're nuts, whatever they know. They have a genuine issue that they're dealing with. The question is, do they have the right to force you in society to go along with their issue? In other words, because they have an issue with gender, do they have to force you or me to start using quote-unquote pronouns like them, they, the, the, all this stuff that makes no absolutely that, that, that most people don't understand? And no, I don't believe they have a right to make you comport to their reality, but they do have a right to their reality. And it shouldn't be knocked, and it shouldn't, to me, they shouldn't be made to feel like... Like something's wrong with them for having an alternate version of reality. Many of us have alternate versions of reality. You ever been married? I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah.
2: So we, I think we have to be kind of careful when we talk about issues. Now, there is a Democrat woman.
1: We're going to take the break early because when we get back I want to have time to play her her floor speech. She's a Michigan Democrat. We're not going to play it now, we'll play it when we get back from the break. There's a Michigan Democrat lawmaker, her remarks went viral this week. She blasted a Republican. Well, snarly. Mr. Snorley, what's wrong with you? Why are you playing something from a Democrat? Because I think it's worthwhile. I listened to it, and I was like, whoa. And this thing went viral. And, of course, when anything goes viral on the left, it was viral all over PMSNBC, all over CNN, what's left of CNN. And, by the way, one of the great stories this week is that, yeah, poor Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace goes over to CNN+. Plus. Starts trashing everybody at Fox. And now CNN Plus closed their doors. I mean, no, I'm not laughing at Chris. Yes, I am. I'm not laughing at... Yes, I am. I'm not trying to do Freud. Yes, I am. With Chris Wallace. But, I mean, I just think it's ironic. Hey, Chris. Y'all went over. You are going to be the big star of CNN Plus. They couldn't... 150,000 subscribers. Now, look. Let's be honest, if most people started a startup business and immediately they got 150,000 subscribers paying money to something, they would be like, whoa, this is looking pretty good. But CNN Plus wanted 2 million to start with, which stuns me because 2 million people at one time don't even watch CNN without the Plus. They don't even watch the free version of CNN. Why would they pay to watch something that they don't want to watch for free? I never understood how this thing got stood up in the first place. But they did it, and they expected 2 million people to come through and say, oh, yes, i like to have CNN Plus on my phone. I'd like to watch CNN all day long, in fact. I'd like to go to sleep with CNN right on my telephone, right on the iPad. How about that? And they expected all that, and hell no. People was well, I'm going to put that garbage on my phone. I don't even want their app on my phone. And poor Chris Wallace gets stuck in the middle of it. Oh, it's just a shame, isn't it? But anyway, back to the point. I didn't lose my place. So this Michigan lawmaker gets played all over CNN, what's left of it, PMSNBC. She was on Morning Joe. And they are making a big deal out of her, so Mr. Snerley, why are you helping them? No, I'm helping them because there's a point to be made here. She was accused personally of being of being a person that groomed children and sexualizing children. Now, I use that term sexualizing children" all the time when I talk about Disney because I don't know why they would support a bill or wouldn't support a bill. In Florida that says you can't sexualize children if they're between, you know, young ages. We want to leave that to the parents. I don't get and by the way, Disney has doubled down after DeSantis, Governor DeSantis down there, signed the law that took away their little special privileges in Florida. And boy, the Liberals are having a S fit over that. But I didn't get it. I don't get why Disney would double down on that. After all, Disney's supposed to be the family brand. A lot of people spend their money at the rodent kingdom. Uh, me? Uh, I've never been to the rodent kingdom, at least not to the rides. I stayed in one of the hotels once, and and one of my friends was playing with Journey, and so they were they were rehearsing at a Disney property, so I went over to look at the rehearsal. It was amazing, by the way. And, um... Yeah, that was Omar Hakim. He was playing with Journey for a stint, and I he invited me up to one of the rehearsals, so I went, and they were rehearsing on one of the Disney properties, one of the hotels. But I haven't been to the Rodent Kingdom officially, you know, with the Magic Towers where Tinkerbell flies over, and, and then they have the fireworks. No, I haven't, I've never been inside the Rodent Kingdom, just on the outskirts. But anyway, this woman, this Democrat, Went off. And we're going to play the whole thing when we get back. James Golden, aka Bo Snorley, with you here. Again, your telephone call is going to be a big part of the program today. We've got a lot to discuss. 848 WABC is the number to call 800 848 WABC. We're coming back right after this.
3: Radio WABC, entertaining
0: and informative. James Golden, aka Bo Nerdly, is on the air, seventy-seven WABC.
1: WABC Talk Radio of seventy-seven in New York. Todd Rungrin brings us back. Let's get to. This speech by Mallory McMorrow. This is a Democrat state lawmaker. And again, this speech all over the liberal channels, but I want you to hear it. And no, I'm not crazy. I understand this was, she's reacting to a fundraising email that was sent out by a Republican. And this is how she began.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. I didn't expect to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd district had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. So I sat on it for a while wondering why me. And then I realized... Because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme. Because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of, quote, parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. So then what? Then you dehumanize and marginalize me. You say that I'm one of them. You say she's a groomer. She supports pedophilia. She wants children to believe that they were responsible for slavery and to feel bad about themselves because they're white. Well, here's a little bit of background about who I really am. Growing up, my family was very active in our church. I sang in the choir. My mom taught CCD. One day, our priest called a meeting with my mom and told her that she was not living up to the church's expectations and that she was disappointing. My mom asked why. Among other reasons, she was told it was because she was divorced and because the priest didn't see her at Mass every Sunday. So where was my mom on Sundays? She was at the soup kitchen with me. My mom taught me at a very young age that Christianity and faith was about being part of a community, about recognizing our privilege and blessings and doing what we can to be of service to others, especially people who are marginalized, targeted, and who had less often unfairly. I learned that service was far more important than performative nonsense like being seen in the same pew every Sunday or writing Christian in your Twitter bio and using that as a shield to target and marginalize already marginalized people. I also stand on the shoulders of people like Father Ted Hesburgh, the longtime president of the University of Notre Dame, who was active in the civil rights movement, who recognized his power and privilege as a white man, a faith leader, and the head of an influential and well-respected institution and who saw black people in this country being targeted and discriminated against and beaten and reached out to lock arms with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he was alive, when it was unpopular and risky, and marching alongside them to say, we've got you, to offer protection and service and allyship to try to right the wrongs and fix injustice in the world. So who am I? I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism somehow means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they are white is absolute nonsense. All right, hold it right there, please. Okay,
1: now, we're going to pick it up. First of all, I can understand this woman's fury at being called a groomer. In an email begging for money, I can understand her fury at being called pretty much a bigot, right? I get that. What liberals don't get is that they do this every day of the week, 24-7 to conservatives, and they've been doing this with conservatives 24-7 every day of the week for decades. According to liberals, conservatives are the ones who want to starve children. I've been listening to this all my life. Joe Biden, they want to put black people back in chains. Even though Joe Biden talked about the fact that he wanted to keep his kids from going to those jungle schools and a few other things, right? Because they're two faced with this stuff, right? And they all the time, all the time, talk about how many lives matter to them when we have this stunning genocide in America that takes place in the womb that affects primarily minority populations, right? So you add all this stuff together with what the Democrats have been doing, calling Republicans, for as long as I can remember, racist at every step of the way if there's a policy disagreement, bigots, sexists, homophobes. And for the first time right now, we have a Democrat going viral for reacting to pretty much the same kind of trash that deals with republicans and this thing went all over this speech went all over democrat world let's pick it up
4: for slavery. No one in this room is responsible for slavery. But each and every single one of us bears responsibility for writing the next chapter of history. Each and every single one of us decides what happens next and how we respond to history and the world around us. We are not responsible for the past. We also cannot change the past. We can't pretend that it didn't happen or deny people their very right to exist. I am a straight white Christian married suburban mom. I want my daughter to know that she is loved, supported, and seen for whoever she becomes. I want her to be curious, empathetic, and kind. People who are different are not the reason that our roads are in bad shape after decades of disinvestment. No, liberals are the reason for that. Care that. costs are too high. Liberals. Or that teachers are leaving the profession. Liberals. I want every child in this state to feel seen, heard, and supported, not marginalized and targeted because they are not straight, white, and Christian. We cannot let hateful people tell you otherwise to scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. And I know that hate will only win if people like me stand by and let it happen. So I want to be very clear right now. Call me whatever you want. I hope you brought in a few dollars. I hope it made you sleep good last night. I know who I am. I know what faith and service means and what it calls for in this moment. We will not let hate win.
1: Well... There's a lot in this speech I can agree with. There's a lot. I wonder politically how this woman can say with a straight face with the way her party has has dealt with politics for the past 30, 40 years. If there is one group that has been responsible for dividing Americans politically, it would be the Democrat Party. People that have mocked Christians and mocked people of faith for years. And has she seen that? Has she ever raised her voice against that? That has been happening. For, look at the way that they've treated Christians on the right from the time Jerry Farwell came on the scene to present. When Ralph Reed was there, they mocked Christians openly who were believing in faith, family, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I get her fury. I understand it. Now that someone put the spotlight on her and said, ooh, you're a groomer. Now, by the way, I believe that we had better be really careful about how we use these terms. I think there's a legitimate use of the term groomer. But to just throw that word out there and accuse people of being groomers without offering any kind of proof, that's a little sketchy. Okay, we got to take a break. When we come back, more your telephone calls welcome here on WABC Talk Radio 77. What do you think about this woman's speech? I'd love to hear how you react to what you heard. WABC Talk Radio 77, 800 848 9222 Give us a call. We'll be right back.
0: Talk Radio 77. WABC, entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirdley, is on the air. 77 WABC. Well,
5: you know you make me
6: want so to up
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Talk Radio 77 in New York. Isley Brothers, bring us back. You know, you make me. Wanna shout. You make me, Say that you need me. Say that you want to shout. Be- we celebrate the Isley Brothers music all day. Well, at least as long as this program's on. Remember, Larry Tedlow comes on after us. What do you remember? Nine years old what? Huh? Nine years? What? Wait a minute. (coughs) Disney? Who are we? Should we do Bob? Nine years old. I remember when you were nine year old. What do you want me to know, baby? How good have I been to you?
6: And
1: the reason we're celebrating Isley Brothers' music hey, hey, okay. in the nine o'clock hour Princess Di will join us, but then we have a very special guest coming in today, Chris Jasper, one of the Isley brothers. He's got a new song. We're going to debut it right here on the James Golden Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Let's head to the telephones and start with Tom in Bergen Beach. Welcome, Tom. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden. Yes, Mr. Snurdy. How are you? Morning,
7: morning, Bo, uh, aka James. Uh, James, um, I was listening to what you were saying, and I was listening to what that person was saying. That lady—I uh, yep. don't know who she is. But...
1: State representative. <laughs> she, I, I want to tell people who she is. Thanks. State, rem, State representative, Senator Mallory McMorrow from uh, Michigan. That's who she is. Okay, go ahead. Okay.
7: And she, I was, you know, I, I was listening to her. She had very, you know, she was very poignant. She was very. Uh, cogent and and, and particular about the way she spoke about grooming and uh, about everything that she spoke of. And I I'm am I'm a, was a victim as a child, as a, a child of sexual abuse, and now I'm a survivor. And uh, I spoke with you a couple of weeks ago about this.
3: Mm-hmm. And
7: I use the word grooming very passionately and very carefully as well. I'm not saying that the teachers are go- all these teachers are going to be groomers. I'm sure there are even teachers out there that don't even want to teach this stuff. Um, but I am very cautious about using the word grooming. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that one, though I, I just, I get scared because grooming is is, is very easily done, you know. And uh, most pedophiles or uh, perpetrators are uh, very smart, very intelligent, very manipulative. Yep. And uh, I was manipulated by more than one. And, and uh, it's terrible that we use this, not just that we use this word, Like it's terrible that what's going on here. I don't believe that anybody... With, in their right mind, would want a child five, six, seven years old? Well, let
1: me tell you a there's a horrible story today about someone who was just sentenced I mean and, and, and they're not going to come out of jail for and you see these stories every day for what they've done to children and I think most of us just just shake our heads. we don't understand how people can be so barbaric, how they can be so 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 evil as to do the kind of things that they do to children. I agree with you. And, Tom, we're so glad that you are a survivor of it, and I'm glad you reached out. And, yes, and I'm glad you do agree that that we should take care of the words we use, even with our political enemies, even with our, the people. Look, we want them defeated politically. We do not want to do what they do, is my point. We don't want to slander people. And, and when you can look back, look at look at what Ted Kennedy did to start off this judicial warfare that we find ourselves in right now. And, and he's the one that did it when he started with Robert Bork's America and he accused Judge Bork of being someone that would like to see women go to the back alleys and use hangers for abortions and and all this stuff. He just totally demonized, personally demonized, demonized Robert Bork. And then Democrats have escalated that ever since. And they've come up with these trumped up charges like they did with Justice Thomas. Yeah, Justice Thomas, mm-hmm, he put a pubic hair on a Coke can and sent it to Anita Hill. Yeah, right. Who in their right mind would, A, do that, and who in their right mind would believe it, that she gets a Coke can and says, oh, I know what's on there. That's Justice Thomas's pubic hair. No, it was all nonsense, but this is what Democrats do. Look at what they did to Kavanaugh. Look at what they've done to Judge Alito. Look what they've done to Miguel Estrada. There is a history of Democrats as a party using slander, lies, to demonize Republicans. Again, how have they cast Republicans for being opposed to these endless policies with school? They say, oh, they want to starve children. No, they don't want, of course. Who wants to see children starve in America? Nobody. Democrats have accused Republicans of wanting to wheel your grandma up to the cliff and throw her over. They did a commercial with that, right, attacking Paul Ryan. They Look at the way they attack Newt Gingrich. He wants to watch Medicaid wither on the vine and watch your, your parents die. Look at how they've treated Republicans when they've asked for common sense Legislation regarding Social Security. They claim Republicans want to watch old people die. This has been the Democrat narrative for as long as I've been alive that, Demo- that Republicans are a bunch of racists. They hate the elderly. They hate your children. They hate everybody that's not white. That has been the narrative from Democrats. And now, Michigan Democrat Mallory McMorrow is outraged. And I think rightly so by the way, that she was targeted in a fundraising email accusing her of name of being a groomer of children and sexualizing children. Now, let me say this about the word sexualizing. I use it, and I'm going to continue to use it. I do not understand why Walt Disney Company is backing a law, and they doubled down again yesterday, their CEO, Backing a law that basically says it is not a don't say gay bill that that terminology was never and is never part of the law. The law says that there will be subjects that will not be discussed with children that are between kindergarten and third grade age. And that deals with sexuality. Leave that to the parents. Now, you can disagree with that. You can think that third graders need to hear all about penises, vaginas, anuses and and every which way that people have sexual relationships that's okay if you think that then you teach that to your kid at home okay but most people don't want their children exposed to that before their children are mature enough to understand what sexuality is and the implications of dealing with sexuality so my question to the Disney company is why are you interested in sexualizing young children. And I will continue to say that. I think it is a responsible question to ask. I will not say that as a company, Walt Disney is interested in grooming children. There have been a few executives in Walt Disney that have been caught on, on tape, on video saying some things that are highly questionable. And those individuals should be questioned as per their statements. But I think it's really dangerous and ugly, I don't care what party you are in, to accuse somebody of being a groomer without evidence of it. And there are nasty emails on both sides of the political aisle. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's all a Democrat problem. They're really pros at it. But... (laughs) This was a nasty email when you accuse somebody of being a groomer. And so she, I think this, this representative, this Democrat, and by the way, I've asked, we've asked if she can come on the show next week or the week after. I want to talk to her. I want to ask her too. Is she get outraged when Republicans are called these horrible names? And has she ever made a floor, fiery floor speech about that? Because if we are ever going to get back to a notion of civility in this country, this is not a one-side problem. And I am not going to allow it to be framed that Democrats are once again the victim. Like, there are stories out today that Disney has been attacked. Attacked my ass! Nobody's attacking Disney. Disney, oh, I'm sorry, Debbie, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to use that. I have a friend, Debbie, she says, you know, Debbie duhane she says, you are not allowed to use those bad words. Stop it. It's not becoming of you. And I just did another one.
2: So let me amend it. Disney my behind. I want to know why Disney
1: Disney is not under attack? Disney has been doing the uh, has been the aggressor here. Their CEO and Governor DeSantis has called this one right all the way through. Disney came out and basically tried to accuse Governor DeSantis and the people of Florida of being bigots for instituting a law that they felt was necessary with their school system. And because you had Disney employees who loudly complained about it from the LGBTQ plus community, which, by the way, there is something that needs to be discussed about that, too. Because what we have heard over the years is this quiet little line that the real creative people in America are from a certain community, from the LGBTQ community. And that's why in Hollywood, that's why in the arts, that they flourish. What does that mean? The straight people are not creative? Does that mean the straight people can't be good animators or good good storytellers? I don't believe that. And I'm not, I am, I'm so okay with your company being, look, I think every human being should be treated with respect and dignity, regardless of their sexual persuasion, regardless of what color they are, what gender they are, or any of that other stuff that people use to divide themselves with. This is all superficial stuff. Who you are. Your content of your character determines who you really are, not your skin color, not your gender, not whether you have a dangly between your legs or you don't have a dangly. None of that matters. Your content as a human being is based on your character. And I think that I would love to see an America where we actually get back to what Dr. King was talking about and what he gave his life for which is an America that is color blind, where it doesn't matter what color you are, where it is the content of your character, not the color of your skin, not whether you have a dangly or not, that determines who you are. Time to take a break, guy, and then we're going to come back with more phone calls. And we don't forget, we've got Oisley Brother music and Oisley Brother coming up later, too. It is a Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, Mr. Snurley, here with you. Oh,
0: no, politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
1: It is Saturday, and this is your Saturday morning Radio. Extravaganza. Bill Withers brings us back. You know what today is, folks? Well, it's a lovely day.
3: When I wake up in the morning, love. And the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning, love. bears heavy on my mind. Then
1: I look at you, and the world's all right. While baby. the guys in the control room are rocking and rolling with us here. Yeah, Diego, yeah, Ryan. Everybody's you. grooving here. We hope you're grooving, too. And At, uh outside our studio here at PMS NBC is one one of the monitors and they're still having the hissy fit on Disney they had a thing up you know about well Disney DeSantis's Disney move could raise taxes on Floridians oh yeah it could also lower taxes on Floridians and they were going on and on with this Disney DeSantis versus Disney no it's Disney versus the people of Florida it's Disney versus common sense That's what it is. Disney is not the victim here. Disney is the aggressor. The little rodent has raised up its little claws and is trying to scratch the people of Florida. And DeSantis is protecting the people of Florida against the rodent. That's what's going on here. DeSantis is actually trying to stop the rodent from spreading disease. In Florida, the disease being a disease of dishonesty, a disease of hatred of people who actually believe different than their woke Burbank executives. Okay, you all in Burbank, you're free to do what you want in Cali. Florida is not Cali. Okay,
2: you people in California, Kate, have at it all you want to.
1: But don't come to Florida with that mess. Okay, so if the people, and and by the way, 51% of Democrats in Florida, 51% agree with the law. So this is a bipartisan issue in that state. And they're not the only state. Ooh, you you, you know who else has just jumped into it? ExxonMobil. Yep, ExxonMobil has banned LGBTQ and Black Lives Matter flags at their Houston headquarters. And some of their employees are backlashing. We <laughs> give the flag. What Exxon Mobil is doing is saying, hey, wait a minute. We're not going to start getting into all these political issues. We're flying the Exxon Mobil flag and the flag of our countries and leave all your political stuff at home. Deal with that on your free time. Okay? And now, in response, members of Exxon's Pride, Houston chapter, are refusing to represent the company at the city's June twenty sixth pride celebration. So what? So stay home. Who cares? Okay? Your place of work is your place of work. And you have no right to tell your place of work what their politics should be. I love it that these CEOs are finally realizing they need to stop trying to divide America along these political lines. If you're in business to sell a product, sell your product and shut up. You know, stop trying to tell Americans what they should. Stop waving your finger and lecturing to America. Sell your product and shut up. And if your employees want to protest, fine. That's America. Let your let your employees protest on their time, on corporate time. Do corporate work. Why is this that difficult? Let us go to Marybeth in Long Island. Marybeth, welcome. WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. You're on with James Golden, A.K.A. Snurly How are you?
8: Good morning. I have calmed down considerably <laughs> from when I first reached your call, Springer, who was wonderful, as are you. Thank you. Um, I came in in the middle of your reading this statement from the um, woman who was accused of being a groomer. And I'm sorry, you, you repeated her name. I can't remember. Yeah, her, her name, name is so-
1: Mallory McMorrow. She's Senator Mallory McMorrow from Michigan.
8: OK, thank you. Um So, Senator Mallory, if I may say that, because I'll forget McMorrow in a few seconds, Mm -hmm. um, did you read by any chance the email of the uh, opponent who accused her of grooming, and why was she accused of that? Because she supports this kind of education in Michigan, or
1: what? It was a fundraising email. And so she was out fundraising because of this, um, I guess, McMorrow Um, had spoken in favor of this so-called, the parental rights bill in Florida. And so this was a response to it.
8: The person who accused her, is is this also a woman? A conservative woman or a man? Do you their name?
1: It it is a Republican woman, another state senator, Lena Theis, T-H-E-I-S. That's who accused her of being a groomer, and nobody's talked to Lena Theus, by the way. We need to reach out to her and see what she has to say, because maybe there's. Uh, we need to hear both sides of this. So I'm going to ask our folks to do this and reach out to both. But and she said, but what Miss, but what what Miss said also is that none of the Republican legislators in, in in the state legislature there reached out to her at all on this thing, and she was hot under the collar, obviously, at being called a groomer. And I don't blame her for that. I mean, that's, if you don't have evidence of something like that, you – that – I don't blame her for being hot. But at the same time, hello, welcome to the world of Democrat politics. Her party has been doing this and worse to Republicans for decades. So go go ahead, Mary Beth. I'm sorry.
8: No, that's quite all right. Um, and I'm glad you want to reach out to Ms. B.S. as well because – I'm from the school of thought. I am so tired of Democrats and Republicans being at each other's throats. It's never going to get better unless we talk about it in a rational format. And wouldn't it be great if they both were on your show and you could moderate a decent discussion between them? But who knows? It could go through the roof. But people are, I don't know, speaking for myself and my family and my friends, People are tired of this. We want to come together, and we can have differences in our political ideas. But people are, the knives are out. The hatred be- between the both sides is horrific politically. It's horrifically, it has to stop.
1: You know, I agree with you, Mary Beth. I think that there are a lot of people who are sick of this uh, back and forth that they see in today's politics. And I am one of those uh, people that do believe that most people want to see more civility. I like your thought about coming together, that most people want to come together. In fact, let us hear the musical accompaniment to that. Thank you for the call, Mary Beth. WABC Talk, Radio 77, James Golden. Mr. Snurley here with you. Come together, the Beatles. Remember, in the 9 o'clock hour, we have more music. go to Pete in Staten Island. Welcome. How are you, Pete? This morning on WABC Talk Radio 77.
9: James, I love your music selections. I got to ask you a question. Bill with us. Didn't he do uh, uh, There's No Sunshine When She's Gone? Ain't no sunshine.
1: Ain't, Ain't no, no sunshine, sunshine when she's gone. When and gone. she's always gone too long. And I'm, um, wow. It's
10: not
3: long when she's away.
1: That's right, you know, ain't no sunshine.
3: Ain't no sunshine when she's gone.
1: And when she's gone, she's always gone too long. long.
9: Anytime she goes away.
1: Yeah, Pete, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, and
9: uh, I'm never going to drink orange juice uh, when your show's on because when you said the word that begins with an A and ends with an S, I laughed my socks <laughs> off. <laughs> and I was gonna—I was gonna tell you. You know, you could have said uh, the part that goes over the fence last. That's what my mother used to say. I love that. In Italian, in Italian, you could say chista, You know, and what's the other one, Renee? The other uh, word for that? Uh, oh, rump. Okay, but that's it. But anyway, I don't know. What the censorship is. I used to listen because when I worked as a stagehand for Saturday Night Live, you know, they had the censors there and everything. And that show really got away with a lot.
1: You were a stagehand for Saturday Night Live?
9: Yes, I was for actually 23 years. I became the sound man for the last six years because uh, Bob Lipton passed away and he was teaching me sound, you know. So I had were you a there, real great...
1: Were you- were you there during the Belushi years? Who was who was the cast? Who were some of the cast members when you were doing that?
9: Ackroyd, uh, uh, Jane Curtin, uh, oh. Gilda Rad was the best. Uh, she was a lot of fun. I was a very shy guy when I started, and Gilda pulled me out of my shyness. She told me, we all uh, do three things, like I won't say. You know, we good. Uh, we urinate. We vomit, and uh, we... uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, the other one, number two, yeah.
9: And nobody's better than anybody. Walk with your head proud, and she made me not shy anymore. That was your Gilda
1: Radner. I just want people to hear this. This is what Gilda Radner told you while you were a stagehand on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's what she
9: told me. And uh, the little acts, you know, what I want to share with
1: you... Listen, I got to go, sadly. We're gonna, you're going to call us again and then share more about your days with Saturday Night Live. Please do that, Pete. Listen, we're coming up on the top of the hour. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back. Our number duo comes up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Remember, third hour, Princess Di. Remember, third hour, more Ozzy Brothers with Chris Jasper. Don't go away. We're coming right back.
0: It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
1: And here we are, our number duo, on talk radio 77 WABC, James Golden, a.k.a. Mr. Snurdly, with you here for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And we do have another full hour after this one. Special hour, special guests, Chris Jasper, Osley Brothers coming up. And, of course, our very own Princess Di in the next hour. Make sure you keep it here. And then after our show, Larry Kudlow comes in. You know, just keep it here on WABC. Get the app. Keep it here all day long. Later on tonight, music with Cousin Brucey. When we go back to music radio, WABC, you know, Russian soldiers have been raising, guess what? The Soviet flag. The Soviet, that's what Bob Grant used to call him, the Soviet, the Soviet flag over occupied Ukraine cities. Russian soldiers have been raising Soviet-era flags in recently occupied areas of Ukraine on April 19th in the southern city of Kyrgyzstan. Troops from a Dia police unit hoisted the Red Banner of Victory up the main flagpole in the city's Alley of Glory, a park dedicated to the memory of locals who fought in the Red Army during the Second World War. Now, remember, Ukraine and Russia, they haven't always been apart, you know, so there's a lot to this. I remember when this thing first started, Princess Di said, look, you know what, before you start putting this into a good guy, bad guy thing, you you got to look, there's been a lot of history here and you have to really examine what is going on i heard a uh interview with former cbs and former fox news reporter lara logan and she went in depth on some of the history between ukraine and russia it was fascinating if i can find that one day and it was about a 10 minute rant i mean she i don't i hate to call it a rant it was a 10 minute dialog and she was just incredibly informative on the history so isn't it interesting right now that some russian soldiers are raising the soviet flag in ukraine hmm there is for you liberals remember when when executions happen in america usually you get in certain circumstances the international crowd comes out over certain, there's one happening in Houston right now where a Hispanic woman is due to be executed next week. And boy, it is like uh, everybody on on both sides of the political aisle don't want this to happen because apparently there's some questions about her case. But for those of you strong death penalty opponent, you have a chance right now to protest. There's another, besides the one in Houston, there's another case that you can protest. And that would be the case of Sha'id abdul Matin. he's been sentenced to death for murdering his girlfriend. Now, this is what happened,
2: apparently, from what we get. According to the court, his motives were really vile, really vile. He... uh,
1: Using a folding knife, this is, I'm sorry, this is going to be a little bit gruesome, so I, I apologize in advance. This is maybe tough to listen to.
2: At 8.48 on the evening of June 14th,
1: and I think this was in 2021, he used a folding knife he carried on his person, according to the court, <clears throat> and abdul machin stabbed and cut his ex-girlfriend's neck. After the girlfriend lost her ability to resist, he continued, the defendant continued to jab her face with the knife, causing the victim to, devo- to die of severe blood loss. The court called it a premeditated revenge killing. Apparently, this guy had falsely claimed to be divorced and single. Then he established a relationship with the girlfriend. I guess you found out, and that's that. So the court <clears throat> has determined that. This is a capital case. They found him guilty, and they have sentenced him to death. So those of you that want to protest the death penalty, please feel free to to protest the Chinese government because this is happening in China, okay? This U.S. national has been sentenced to death in China. So it is an international issue. Now, those of you who always get on your hind legs and protest what's going on in the United States— Please go over to China and let the Chinese communist government know that you oppose how they have sentenced this American national to death. Go over and protest in Tiananmen Square. Go over and protest all over Chinese media. Let's see you. Please do that. Eh? And see whether you can get Nike or some of the other woke companies like maybe Coca-Cola Or maybe, hey, maybe even Disney. Go ask the rodents, the rodent kingdom, if they want to protest this American national being sentenced to death over in China. Go ask the NBA. Ask the NBA. Hello, NBI. Do you think we've got a case here of American national and the the Chinese thugs? They want to kill him. It's bloody unfair. Don't you want to protest with us? Come on, protest. Let's all protest together. You think they're going to protest China? I don't think so. I don't think the Chinese on this. Why not just let this one slide? I mean, after all, they do it quickly. It's not like they drag it out with a lethal injection or something. They just one, two, three, boom to the head. It's over. Quickly. So let's not protest this one. Let's just let it slide, shall we? We have, we've got relationships with China. And we don't want our relationships disturbed now, do we? We've got sneakers to make. We've got iPhones to produce. And by Jove, we've got all kind of goods flowing in from China if we can ever get our supply chains right. So, Mr. Shahid Abdul-Mateen, my friend, you're on your own. We won't be protesting this one. Yeah. In Philadelphia... This is more really ugly, sad news. Again, apologies in advance. (sighs) A child in Philadelphia who was the victim of a shooting incident in 2019 has died, and and, and he died Tuesday. Three-year-old, shot four times in the head, chest, lower body. His father used him as a human shield during a drug deal. The poor baby has finally been taken home to God and just doesn't have to put up with this. What a horrid, horrid life to have to endure being put up to death by your own father in a drug deal, using you, a baby, as a human shield. Can you imagine? The mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser is condemning what she's calling the epidemic of gun violence in our country. A shooting in D.C. left four people injured, including a child. This happens every weekend. If, if, if it's not Chicago, D.C., Philadelphia, New York City, it happens everywhere. Everywhere that Democrats run, every major city, this violence is out of control. And, of course, what do what do the mayors of these cities do, like our own Mayor Adams here? They blame it on an epidemic of gun violence. Um, It is an epidemic of moral decline. That is the epidemic that people do not have the morality to understand that they should not kill other human beings. This is a spiritual issue. This is a moral issue. This is a cultural issue. This is not a gun issue. The guns are the weapon. The killers are human. And they have reasoned in with the limited consciousness that they have that there is some reason that they feel it's okay to take a life. If they could, if they didn't have guns, they'd use something else. As in the case of our, our friend that's over there in China facing the, uh, the inevitable who used a pocket knife. I brought this story up early in the week. I'm going to bring it up. We're going to get to your calls fairly soon because I'd I'd love to see what you have to say about this one too. I rarely agree with Governor Gavin Newsom about anything. Far leftist, to me, one of the worst governors in American history. But I do agree with him on this. He has tried, he's unveiled a far-reaching effort to try to get people off the streets in California into court-ordered treatment for severe mental illness, addiction, homelessness. And you know who's against it? The liberals. The ACLU, a group called Disability Rights California, the Western Center on Law and Poverty, they have all signed a letter in opposition, okay, because they think that getting people into off the streets and into get their their mental health problems addressed deprives people of their civil rights how about the people that are suffering from the being the victims of these people like the, in new york city where you have people unfit to stand trial because they're mentally ill pushing other human beings into subway tracks to assaulting them we have to in this country this is not a Democrat-Republican problem. This is a moral problem, another moral problem. We have to find care for the mentally ill. And I don't understand why so many people are, are afraid of addressing the issue. When we get back, more phone calls. We are coming right back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC Talk Radio.
8: Frank Bruno,
10: he's your numero uno.
12: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit MFM.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company SI and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
0: Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on 77 WABC.
1: W.A.B.C. Talk Radio 77, the Queen of Disco, the Queen of Dance Music, the one and only Donna Summer. You know, not a lot of people talk about this aspect of Donna Summer. I don't know whether it's widely known. She was a conservative. Yes, a political conservative. She used to listen to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge fan. WABC Talk, Radio 77. Let's head back to the telephones. Mark in Long Beach, welcome. Thank you for holding, Mark. What's on your mind this morning?
12: Uh, good morning, Bob. Listen to you guys a long time. Love the show. Uh, I'll try and be brief. Um, I have three on the job in my PD. Uh, and I don't want to get into it, so they might get embarrassed. Um, several of them have come up with stuff. There was a Texas judge uh, in, I think it's federal, time goes so fast, could have been a month, three, six weeks ago, that released documents, forced Pfizer to release documents. Did you know Pfizer Hired thousands, twenty six hundred, I believe the the thing the judge released, um, people to handle, medical people and and people to answer phones of the complaints of the negative reactions to the viruses, uh, to the viruses or to
1: the vaccinations,
12: the, the, the vaccine yes the the vaccine for the virus okay and I haven't seen anybody cover it and my son also mm. I'm I'm not technology advanced so I can't send you an email. I still pay my bills by check. Um, <laughs> he's found out. He's found out things that the government, the administration, has actually paid networks big money to only have one side on, no negative side. Hmm. And this report, this report from Pfizer that they released, the Texas judge
3: hmm.
12: made them release hundreds of pages of the amount. Of com- people complaining, and it's been suppressed.
2: Hmm. My,
12: question to, my question to you, if possible, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't expect you to get your email. Can I have my son send you somehow what he's exposed? Obviously, they're working with attorneys from New York City to, you know, sue. Um, and somehow look, have your staff. Easy, jamesgolden.com.
1: Go, yes, you can, jamesgolden.com. <clears throat> you can also at jamesgolden.com. Golden. Sign up for our twice a day news blast called the Daily BS. We we put that out twice a day. The Daily BS, JamesGolden or boastnerdly.com Either one, and you can always reach me there and be in touch with me there on anything. And by the way, if you want, if you have questions about our podcast, and it sounds like Mark, there's one that you ought to be paying attention to, which is the future is now, and we start talking about cri- crypto the blockchain. Uh, technologies and how all of that and the Web3, that's the podcast we just did this week on Web3 and what that's going to do to our society. We are undergoing another revolution, very similar to the Internet revolution in its impact, and it will change the world in that dramatic way. That's dealing with blockchains, technologies, um, this new digital currency. Things are changing, and so you're still paying stuff by check. I hear you. The world is changing. And we make it understandable how the world is changing if you want to uh, keep up. If you don't, cool. I mean, we enjoy it. But anyway, you can reach me at jamesgolden.com. And uh, for those of you on Twitter, I can't wait till Elon Musk, if he's successful, takes over Twitter. And and these little liberals shaking in their boots have to actually stop censoring people. You can also reach me at Bo Snerdly Twitter. Or same deal with Facebook, at Bo Snerdly, S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y, at Bo Snerdly uh, on Twitter or Facebook. So, yeah, plenty of ways to get hold of me. I'd love to see the stuff. We are doing a series, by the way, Your COVID Stories. That's another one of our podcasts. We also have a great podcast called On the Border. We have one on Science. We have lots of podcasts going here on WABC. All the WABC radio hosts have podcasts. And these podcasts are slamming. You're going to want to hear them. They're all over their Red Apple Media uh, podcast. You can find them on. Every platform that has podcasts. I tell you, Rudy's got one that's outstanding. Everybody on here has one. Bernie and Sid have one. Everybody has one, right? So check out the podcast. Um, And some of them, I haven't had a chance to listen to a lot of them yet, but slowly I'm I'm going through them. And they're interesting as all get out. So, Mark, please join us. Get the app, the WABC app. Also, check out the WABC website. Check out all the podcast, and you can, uh, can can keep up to date with all that stuff. I would love to see what your what your son sends. So, by all means, let's go to Andrew and Stanhope, New Jersey. Andrew, thank you for waiting. What's on your mind this morning?
10: The Catholic Church. The lady sounds like she's full of it, and I'll explain why. But also, what you're doing is you're not giving the audience the information. The, the evidence or the lack of evidence to decide if the lady is guilty or innocent of what she's being accused of. Which lady? Like Stan, the one that was given the speech on the floor that she doesn't. Yeah, I said grooming. that we,
1: I said, I said that we will reach out to the, to Miss Theus, the woman who sent out the, the campaign email accusing her of grooming. I already said that we would reach out to her so we can hear both sides of that story.
10: And also good. She, um,
1: I guess you missed that part, her. huh? Wait, Andrew, I guess you missed that part, huh?
10: Not just her, but... Um, I guess you Democrat missed
1: that part, and- huh?
10: No, I heard it. I, oh, I you just heard it. You, you were just
1: ignoring it. I see. So you could come up with your narrative. Okay, so what's the rest of your narrative, brother Andrew?
10: Well, the Democrats in general have mm-hmm. a critical race theory. They'll say, well, we want to teach about slavery. Boom, right there, two lies. One, we already teach slavery. And second, when they teach it, they conveniently leave out that the Democrat Party was the party of slavery and Jim Crow, and the Republican Party was the abolitionist party. So even, um, and also the Catholic Church stuff, I've been, I went to CCD. I was Catholic, and I've been doing local news stories through Easter with the food pantries, not just for the Catholic Church, but a CCD teacher would never not go to Mass and say, well, I'm going to work in the soup. There's many masses. There's a Friday night mass. My neighbor, Catholic. I
1: Andrew, listen, show. listen. You're taking apart this woman's story on what she said her her experience as well, was with her mother. You don't know what her experience was with her mother. I don't know either. So why are you going to try to just pretend like you know? You don't know. Uh,
10: I know. You don't
1: know. And just, come on, be truthful. You are coming here trying to present yourself all righteous and everything. Just admit you don't know.
10: I'm, I'm just saying I know the Catholic Church. Okay, but you I don't know-, know
1: whether this woman's story is legitimate or not, and you're trying to disparage it. And all I'm saying is, look, let's just be fair to people. You don't know. And let me say something else about the slavery thing. You brought that up. There's a lot that we don't teach about slavery. There's a lot that we don't teach about slavery. There's a lot like, for instance, the difference between chattel slavery and other slaveries. The, the, the slavery that was introduced in the Americas and the Caribbeans were a different form of slavery that, that existed in the world up until then, for the most part. For the most part, and again, there were were exceptions, when societies had slavery in their system, they allowed families to stay together. They allowed the slaves to keep their own religion, their own language, etc., etc. In the case of the slavery that went on with the African slave trade, that was not the case. There's a lot that should be taught about the slave trade, like who were the people that were selling the slaves into slavery? In some cases, they were Africans themselves that were selling their own people into slavery. How despicable is that? In some cases, there was the influence of the middlemen, including some of the Persian nations that were also involved in slavery. We also, Americans get tired of hearing about slavery, right, because we hear it all the time. They say, oh, here we go with that slave again, right? And the common refrain that I hear is, oh, come on, that was like 300 years ago. Would you people just like get off it? Well, no, it wasn't 300 years ago. The last slaves began to die in America in the 1930s, 1940s. My great-grandmother, who I knew, who I had the privilege of knowing and love, so dearly my great grandma was married to an ex slave i didn't meet him but i knew my great grandmother and she was i'm telling you this woman at 99 was still one of the most beautiful women i've ever seen in my life she was half indian and i don't and, and of course you know african american she had these beautiful braids these silver braids that came all the way down Oh my God, she was and these beautiful high cheekbones. No, not not like Elizabeth Warren's cheekbones, real cheek and, and she was so beautiful. Her name was Rebecca. We just called her granny. Anyway, um so Andrew, I look, I appreciate your call, bro. I really do. And I want you to call again. And but but here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to start trying to disparage people that we don't know. This woman in Michigan, I played it because I found it interesting. I also find it interesting that Democrats, when they get outraged at at these name callings, they forget that their party's been doing this to Republicans for decades. And there's no outrage when they do it. It's just like part of the normal playbook. Let's go to Susie in Long Island. Susie, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77.
13: Hi, Bo. How are
1: you? I'm good. Good to hear from you, Susie.
13: You know what I'm so upset about, though?
1: I
8: I was listening to Obama the other day talk about the misinformation on social media. What about the misinformation that the government put out during his administration trying to frame, you know, an opposition candidate? What about the CIA, the FBI, all that misinformation they knew wasn't true? I mean, it's so upsetting to me that this man is on talking about social media when his administration really framed Trump and really wasted $30 million of hard earned taxpaying money for a farce that they knew there was no evidence of. They knew that it's just so when I see him, my skin crawls and I'm not a racist.
1: You don't even have to say you're not a racist because he is a politician of politicians and you're absolutely right. This whole, everything he says about disinformation is disingenuous. This is Obama. Let me just say to you, and, and you're absolutely right, what they did to Donald Trump, what they did to his administration, members of his administration, and by that I mean the DOJ and the corrupt people inside of the FBI and the intelligence agencies, what they did to Donald Trump was nothing short of of, of a coup. It was a coup attempt against a duly elected president, and that has never been done in American history, and there should be accountability. You, Susie, you are Dead on right, everything you said about it and about Obama. To me, Obama is the biggest political failure because he had a chance to really unify this country. Had Obama governed like he ran, Republicans would probably never get elected to be president ever again because he ran on this business of unifying the country and hope and change and all that. And what did he do when he got the same old partisan Democrat? crapola. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurly coming back right after this.
0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. Yeah. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurly is on the air. 77 WABC.
1: Ashley Brothers, bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. This it's from their album Harvest for the World lead song. Ronnie Isley, of course, lead vocal. One of my favorite. This is one of my favorite Isley Brothers songs. When will there be a harvest for the world? Oh,
6: babies together, everyone I
1: see.
6: Half of us small side.
1: Remember, next hour, along with our one and only Princess Di, we'll have Chris Jasper, one of the Isley brothers here. He has a new song that's going to
6: debut on our show.
1: Celebrate your life. Give thanks for your children. Overlooking none. Hoping life gets better for the world. Dress me up for battle when all I want want is peace. Those of us us who pay the the price price, come home with the least. least. Nation Nation after nation turning into beasts. When When will there be a harvest harvest for for the world? Isley Brothers on WABC Dark Radio 77. Let's head back to the telephones. Victor, Cherry Ridge, Pennsylvania. Thank you for holding, Victor. You've been there a while. We appreciate your patience. What's on your mind this morning? Don't mention it.
12: You know, uh, Hitler once said, get them when they're young. And uh, regarding this Florida law, uh, even the third grade, my sentiment is is too young. I went to parochial school, uh, one parent, family. And in the fifth grade, I was ready to hear about it. But the third grade is, is too soon. I think that's their agenda, to actually push people into this lifestyle. You know, it's uh, that's, that's my thoughts, and that's my feeling, what I feel. And the second point I'd like to bring out, you know, uh, Disney, with all their uh, rhetoric, they failed to tell you that how many people can afford to take their families to Disney World you what? know, I'm a middle-class person, and uh, believe me, it's quite an expense and a hardship. But what have they done for the people that can't afford it? Nothing.
1: Not a darn thing. mm okay. Thank you for your call. Uh, when you started off with the Hitler thing, everybody's eyes got raised. Well, huh? oh, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this, my friend? Okay, so <laughs> um, as for the remarks about uh, what their agenda is, I want to be careful about the broad brush. However, I do agree very much with the sentiment that wants to know why certain groups and certain companies seem to want to have Americans' kids sexualized at a very young age. And I think they should be asked those questions, especially the CEO of Disney, who keeps jumping on this back and forth. Let's go to Westchester. Tom, how are you this morning? Welcome.
12: James. Music, music, music. I love calling you and talking
9: to you about music. So I have three comments quickly, and I'll go right down the list. Have you uh, ever used the song James as part of your bumper music? Not yet. Uh, Okay. Good song by Billy Joel. I'm sure you know it. Um, Also, I understand there's an album that Ron Isley did with Burt Bacharach.
1: Oh, yeah, he did. I have that album in my CD collection. And it's, you know, it's Bacharach's hits with Ron Isley, and it's great. And you know who else Ron Isley recorded? With Rod Stewart. No, I didn't know that. He made, they made, he and Rod Stewart made a a remake of one of the Isley Brothers' early hits, and one of my favorites, by the way, of all time, which was um, This Old Heart of Mine.
12: With it, with Rod Stewart. Yep. Yeah. I like the
9: original better. But anyway, um, also, I thought of you the other night. I was watching a clip on YouTube. You'll love this. Of Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross oh my on Playboy After Dark. So Hefner introduces them. <laughs> they get up. Count Basie's at the piano with a bass and drum. So it's like Count Basie trio. And Joe Williams is in the background. And he gets up and sings with them. Well worth watching. Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross, Joe Williams, and Count Basie. <laughs>
1: that is amazing. You know, Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross, i they are such an amazing group. And if people don't know who they are, if you've heard of the Manhattan Transfer and you like the way Manhattan Transfer harmonizes and their kind of, of interesting, eclectic sort of compositions that they pick, they are a throwback, in a way, to Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross, one of the most exciting vocal groups and And Lambert Hendricks and Ross also broke ground because when they were performing it, it, interracial groups performing were uncommon. but Lambert and Hendricks and Ross broke the model. their early records certainly worth listening to. those of you, especially if you like vocals and jazz vocals and stuff like that they 're just amazing they're an amazing group. Let us go to Leo in the upper West side of uh New York. Hello, Leo. Welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77.
14: Yes, hello, James. Uh, you kicked me last time off the air because I have uh, my my phone on the speakerphone. I don't hear very good, and uh, and I have a strong accent. I'm going to try to speak uh, slowly. Uh, I want to have two comments. One is about uh, the big difference between, uh, to compare, on a scale from zero to ten, how how wrong is call somebody groomer? And how wrong is the the, the, the aspect of pushing on kids uh, the sexuality? Okay, you know, on a somebody,
1: on a scale chairman, of, somebody, on a scale of one to ten, how wrong is it for somebody to uh, call someone a groomer, and also how wrong is it to push kids onto sexuality early ages? So, how wrong is it, Leo? i am am a
14: I'm a I'm a German. If somebody calls me Nazi, or if somebody would call you N-word, you're not gonna pay 300 dollars for, you know, psychotherapist, or you, you're not gonna have nightmares for months. If somebody will push on your kid in the first grade, sexuality and and, and 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 transgender, and so on, so your kid's gonna get confused. Um, okay, here's you know, what I'm
1: going to do, Le- Leo. We are having a real hard time hearing you, and that is not your fault. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to email me questions, or or figure out on Twitter how to DM me, and then I can take your questions. and And because I like where you were going with this, now let you you mentioned if somebody called me the n word or say something like that, I'd have nothing this month. No, I wouldn't. In fact, some some idiot called. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Bad, bad, bad. James, hold on.
2: Don't call people names.
1: Okay. Um. Someone called me the N word on this show not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, he did. And and hey, and and then he called the next week and said it again. And so, but it was you know all good. Call me what you want to call me. It doesn't bother me. You want to use that language, you know? Okay, fine. That shows your character. It has nothing to do with me. And I'm not going to get upset over it. But if I were called a groomer, I would get upset over that. You know, I mean, you know, this whole liberals have made racism to be not so serious because everything to them is a racist. Okay. And I think it's amazing when liberals call me and call me the N word. I, in fact, quiet as it's kept, not only doesn't it bother me, I wish they do it more often in public so people could see what liberals are really like. Because if you want to know where racism is in America, all you have to do systemic racism is is look deep inside, not even deep. Just take a scratch the surface of liberalism and you will find racism in every corner of it. And what they think about black people and other minorities, <laughs> it's just like we're their political pawns, but they don't really care about, for the most part, there are some that do. I'm talking about the elected official class, not the average rank and file class, okay? So I don't get upset over those kind of things, but I understand people that do get upset over being called a groomer. And let us see. We do have time for one more. Let us go to Peter in Long Island City. Hey, Peter. Peter, let me ask you a question before, and I'm not taking your time. How do you like all those skyscrapers that are popping up all over? Right now, if you look at Long Island City, it's like the skyline of Long Island City is blending into the skyline of Manhattan. It's kind of wild to see that happening, right? What, what do you say, Peter? From my
15: apartment, I used to be able to see this, the Empire State Building. Uh, now they went up. I can't see the Empire State Building. So it is what it is. Yeah. So, so I flew down to meet my daughter in Disneyland, and I had a little backpack. And I said, eh, let me let, rent the locker. I stood in line. I had to stay in a second line, a third line, $30. I finally got my coat to open my locker. It didn't work. I had to stand in three lines to get my money back, not to mention it's $30 for the day. Wow. That's a pretty crazy price.
1: Wow. So I take it your experience at the Rodent Kingdom wasn't a lot of fun.
15: Uh, you know what? So I took my backpack and got on a stroller, but they're very expensive. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. $30 to rent a locker for the day? Think about that. Wow. Not to mention the three lines I stood in to get the combination so I can open it. But anyway.
1: Well, how were the rides? Thing. Did you go on any of the rides? Of course. We
15: went on all the rides. It's, you, know, that, that's, you know, that's you know a beautiful day. But, you know, it's a long line. It's, you But the three kids, you're doing it for the children. They know they got you. It's a captured audience, whatever, the food, the locker, $30. I'm sorry, but I remember renting a locker. You put a quarter in, and it comes back to you later when you give it up. You know what I mean? But anyway, maybe I'm getting old.
1: Wow, maybe we all are. Thank you. Appreciate that so much, Peter. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy. We're coming back. More of your calls, more news. And if you want to give us a holler, 800-848-WABC is the number, 800 848
0: 92 2 Politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
1: Nicolette Larson brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Gonna take,
6: gonna take a lot of love. A lot of love. A lot of love.
1: If you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-WABC. Remember, Larry Kudlow comes on after this program. And remember, in our next hour, Princess Di. Remember, in our next, uh, our next hour, Chris Jasper, Isley Brothers. You're going to want to be here. We're going to debut a new song from Chris. And I got to tell you, I love it. Okay, so here's a topic that you're not going to hear brought up anywhere else except this place, I guess. Maybe. Because most people look at this topic and say, oh, no, I'm not going to talk about that. Oh, hell no, not me. I'm not going to talk about that. Well, I saw this story and I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder if I should talk about this or not. Or what would drive people away. And my aim is never to drive people away. So I'm going to take a chance. The stunning rise of cremation. Reveals, um, yes, I said the word, the C word, not that C, the, the cremation C word. The stunning rise of cremation reveals America's changing idea of death. What? It's now more popular than a traditional casket burial and twice as common as it was two decades ago. What does that say about us? Process well, more of us want to be bloody cremated. That's what it says. Um, um, and then it goes on to say that um, cre- cremation <clears throat> is now America's leading form of final uh, disposition, as the funeral industry calls it. And it's a preference that shows no sign of abating. In 2020, 50% of Americans who transitioned were cremated more than double the figure of 27% two decades ago. And it is, um, and, and and the story in here goes on to quote, a gentleman who says, some people want it over and done with. You wonder if they'll come to regret that later with cremation families. A lot of them don't want to know. This is the guy that does it, his, the business. What we do, how we do it, they don't care to know what you can do with the cremated body. This generation just doesn't want to do the three-day-long funeral home thing. And so now it is becoming commonplace. And the preferred choice. Well part of that could be the cost of funerals, by the way, when it costs you twenty grand to get a wood box. And I often wondered, you know, there was this craze going on in parts of the hippie hippie left where they used to go totally old school and just wrap up, you know, the disposition thing in cloth and just, like, bury it in the ground and and not go through this whole thing. So, you know, things are changing. And I just wonder, <clears throat> anybody wants to comment on any of this business? If you have a point of view about it, you're more than welcome. I thought the story was interesting. I mean, we don't talk about this stuff in public. Mo- <sighs> Attitudes are changing about a lot of things. I want to give a shout-out to a guy called, named Autry Pruitt. Autry Pruitt, is the CEO of New Journey. New Journey is a PAC, a political action committee that I founded along with Archie Pruitt. And Archie Pruitt is an amazing human being. And one of the things that he did going several cycles back, election cycles, is recommend that the Republican Party actually put what he called engagement centers in minority communities. And apparently some people in the Republican Party have finally heard about that. There's a story in the Washington Times today about the GOP Community Center in Lincoln Village, Milwaukee. And and the headline says, GOP Community Center stakes claim in Hispanic neighborhood courts voters where they live. Well, imagine how novel is that? Actually being a part of a community actually you know when i grew up in st albans queens there was a republican um headquarters right on farmers boulevard for those of you shout out to st albans jamaica queens jamaica yeah oh you got do we have funkin for jamaica anywhere in there tom brown funkin for jamaica um if we don't we will soon we have it shout out come on let's do some funkin for jamaica jamaica queens Shout out. Tom Brown. Yo, that's Winky. So anyway, we're going to let it play. There was a Republican headquarters in St. Albans, Queens. And it was there for many years. And then all of a sudden, poof, gone. Never to be seen from again. So one of the things that Audrey Pruitt, New Journey Pack, NewJourneyPack.org suggested a long time ago, and we tried to do it was put community centers, Republican engagement centers, be part of the community. Before you ask people for their votes, do some good in the community. Be part of it. Understand what people's needs and wants are. That's how you do so-called outreach. And stop calling it outreach like you're reaching out to aliens somewhere that have no, that are not part of, of your life and your universe. Funkin' for Jamaica. This is Funkin' for Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. And so right now, the GOP apparently is doing that. So thank you, Audrey Pruitt, org, for coming up with this idea and being very vocal about it. I'll tell you this. I went with Audrey to, uh, to do, you know, when we, when New Journey Pack trying to raise money, you got to go talk to. So we were out talking to this guy. Yeah. So we were talking to this guy who was very invested in a political race against a black candidate who was a veteran. And we were trying to advise him, look, you got to, here's how you got to, and at the end of the conversation, this guy turns and he says to us, because we were talking to him about, you know, engagement centers, how we have to make sure that we are an inclusive party and how to message to people. And at the end of the conversation, he turns to Archie and I and he says, you know, what you guys are doing is really noble. You just got to find somebody that cares about that black. That's what he said. You got to find somebody that cares about that black. Because I don't. Yeah, this is a major Republican donor. I'm telling you the truth. That's how it happened. Look, you know what, though? I was down with it because I'm like, okay, at least he's honest and he's not going to waste our time and lie. Jamaica funk. Yes, indeed. Jamaica, Queens. Let it get into you. That's Tom Brown on WABC. Let's head back to the telephones. Steven, Pennsylvania, WABC Talk Radio 77. Morning, Mr. Brown. I'd like to do a shout-out. Brown? Wait a minute. I'm Mr. Golden or Mr. Snurbly. Who's Mr. Brown? (laughs)
7: <laughs> yeah, it's just a Pennsylvania hokey poke over here.
0: Okay. <laughs> I just, I'd, I'd like to give a shout-out to one of premier hockey players
2: in the NHL passed away yesterday, Guy LaFleur. Oh, yeah, the Montreal yeah. Panadians. I mean, the way they propped up Gretzky, Gretzky
1: could never touch Guy LaFleur. Wow. I would love to see that matchup. <laughs> wow. Well, look, I so appreciate your call, Mr. White. Mr. Gold, Mr. Blue, Mr. Red. Anyway, I really appreciate your call, Steven. And great shout-out, man. Appreciate that. Let's go Ooh, to, wow, people are actually addressing this issue. Gracie, my Gracie, my love. How are you, Gracie? Wonderful.
13: Hi, I'm wonderful. I love You're my love. I was going to end with this, but I'll make it fast, though. Thank you for the, for the new name of the show.
1: And the new name of the show, thank you, Gracie, our show on Monday. First of all, there's going to be a show. I'm going to be on at 12 noon, 12 noon, Monday through Friday next week. And then I will also be on at 4 o'clock. The 4 o'clock show is now called Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour right here on WABC. That starts Monday at 4 o'clock.
13: I'll be there, 12. Good, good, good. Now, about the funeral. Quick with the funeral. People are doing it, you said it, to save a buck, okay? They don't have enough to live. They don't want to waste money to be buried. If they can be buried for real cheap, they go in a mayonnaise jar. Believe me.
1: (laughs) Oh, Gracie, you make everything so understandable. It's about-
13: uh, you, uh, you know, cremate me, save two mayonnaise jars, and put half of me in one, half in the other, and, and uh, my, both of my sons could take it. But all right, that's that. Now, the Republicans. See, the Republicans don't know how to win, okay? Because they can't stand together. They're still criticizing Trump. Back off already. That's number one. Number two, always Turn around, like, let's use Obama. He, I want to uh, unify. I want this. I want that. But everything they want is always the opposite. But the the Republicans don't explain to, say to the public, what do you mean they want to put us together? All they do is separate us. They're a bunch of liars, but they don't come out. They're wishy-washy. And that's the bottom line, my beau.
1: Gracie, as always, you are a delight. I love you, Gracie. I love you. I love you more. WABC Talk Radio 77. Um, You know, it is time for us to kind of wind up this hour, and that's hour number duo of our three hours here. We've all been looking forward to the third hour. In the third hour we hear from Her Majesty herself, Her Royal Majesty. Princess of My Heart, Princess Di, joins us in the next hour. In the next hour, Chris Jasper, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, brilliant composer, brilliant songwriter, with the iconic Isley Brothers. So many hits, so many years, so many memories. He's got a new song, and we are going to debut it Here on James Golden Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza WABC. Coming right back, right after this.
0: Golden, a.k.a. Bo nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
1: Hour number three, WABC Talk Radio 77 on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. A James Golden here. Wow, it is really turning out to be nice out here. A little bit overcast, but at least it's warmer than it has been. And always celebrate that, right? Anyway, this hour her majesty the one and only the brilliant analysis we get from our very own Princess Die and then our special guest our special guest <clears throat> getting tongue tied anticipation, you know. Chris Jasper <laughs> will join us and we're going to debut a new song from Chris, Chris of course with the Isley brothers, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we'll talk music. And I'm going to take a, um, some calls to make sure we have time to get some calls in during this segment. We don't usually take calls in this segment of the show. But we will. And you know, one of the things that um that is still in the news is all of this business with Disney. But if I'm a democrat, I'm really worried about some other things. Election handicappers have now shifted more than a dozen races in the house toward the GOP, toward the Republicans. And it looks like, and again, this is politics. I caution you, things can change on a dime. It takes one event. It takes one miscalculation or calculation to change and shift momentum. But so far this year, it looks like the Democrats are in for a major shellacking come November. The Cook Political Report has shifted eight House races in districts stretching from New York to Nevada toward the Republicans. They did that earlier in the week. And um, they also, and by the way, some of this is happening in New Jersey too. So, And then there's Sabato. Now this guy, I cannot tell you how many times he's been wrong, but I hope this isn't one of them. Because he's moved 11, and he usually leans left, to me anyway. At least that's the way I perceive him. I don't know whether that's an accurate statement, but that's my perception of him, is that he always seems to me to be kind of like, and I don't know what it is about him, because he's supposedly a neutral political analyst, but every time I see him, I can't help but think that he's in favor of the liberals. But anyway, he's moved 11 House districts in favor of Republicans, including six seats that are currently held by Democrats. And so we shall see what happens. And Sabato also noted that Republicans are faring well in fundraising in the first three months of the year. House Democrat incumbents, by the way, though, are raising a lot of money too. So this could be an interesting go-round. We've covered the engagement centers. Philadelphia, the other day they put their little mask mandate back on. It's gone. It's there, and before you know it, poof, gone. But New Yorkers are still holding on in some places like LaGuardia Airport, supposedly, to a mask mandate. I have a friend who went through LaGuardia and said, nobody's wearing mask in there. Or
2: so few people are, and they're not enforcing it. There's a new
1: drug out, apparently, that has people worrying, and it's it's this new drug called ISO, and it's supposedly 20 times stronger than fentanyl, which means that is really lethal, and it is already causing deaths, and parents are worried. That it's a synthetic opioid. It's ISO 20 times stronger than already deadly fentanyl. It's being used to make fake Valiums and fake Oxycontin pills, and it's already costing people lives. Just not note to be on the aware. Parents are especially, because apparently it's taking young lives already, and there is growing concern about it. So that's a heads up. Here's something that I'm going to save until next week because I'm not going to have time to talk about this, and I do want to talk about it, which is hydrogen and hydrogen trains and all that stuff. Whether it's it's time to pioneer instead of using electric trains to switch them over to hydrogen trains and to start making our trains in the United States more competitive. And I hate to say this because I am not a Europhile. But in the article, it's like, yeah, we should be making trains more like Europe. Anytime I hear, like, we should do something like Europe, it kind of turns my stomach. But absolutely, I'm starting to really have some thoughts about trains and mass transit and whether – look, I'm not one of these people that believes we should be pushing people into mass transit for global warming and all that. I just think for people that take the trains, I think if the trains were – Um, high-speed trains, and that they were luxury trains that could get you there. Look, because already, the way the airlines are set up, if you're trying to get anywhere that there aren't direct flights, it's going to take you a whole day to get there anyway. By the time you get through security, by the time you deal with the layovers, by the time you get your bags, by the time you check your bags, by the time you go through all the crap, it's a whole day that you've spent. And so if there are lots of places, lots of routes, that if you could spend the, the same amount of time or a little bit more on a train and in luxury, you can stretch out, listen to your music, have something really nice to eat, have a good experience. I wonder what more people take the train, and I'd be interested to hear from people what they think about that. But I'm going to save the article until next week because, I, as I said, I do want to get to some phones uh, before we start lining it up with with our very own Her Majesty, and then with um, Chris Jasper. So let us. Let us go to Victor in West Hempstead. Victor, welcome. WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. You're on with James Golden, aka Snurdly. Hey,
2: uh,
12: hey there. I took a trip yesterday. Uh, I took a trip yesterday into Brooklyn to uh, spend some time with a friend. And en route, I witnessed uh, throngs of uh, young men, predominantly black, uh, riding vehicle illegal vehicles. Clods, motorcycles, and what have you uh riding herd throughout the streets, police are there, just watching them, not interacting at all a motorcycles
1: uh, are motorcycles illegal
12: uh well uh, they were on they were on the oh, majority unlicensed of them, not, okay. majority of them, if not all of them had uh, n- uh, no plates, no credentials okay. And they were in the middle of Eastern Parkway doing wheel stands and just uh, totally, totally riding herd over the traffic there and everything.
1: And the police were doing uh, nothing? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you hear me talk about something, and and I will talk about it briefly here, which is this glorification of criminality and the lawlessness that is apparent in almost every blue city in America. And it shows its head in many ways in our very own city. So what you say, sad, but not surprising. Let us go to George in Rockland County. Welcome, to WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, George?
14: All right. Thanks for taking my call, James. A great show as always. So listen, I'm asking a question that maybe a lot of people think, but they're afraid to ask, okay? And maybe you can take a stab at it, Okay. Why uh, black Americans uh, follow blindly after the Democratic Party? Okay, I mean, if you look the little that I know on history here, okay, um, the black as a Democratic Party war for for slavery. Okay, if you look on a representation, black representation here, okay, it looks like they're touting as a line of the Democratic Party, but not really. A caring for their own people, so why do they keep following in so huge numbers blindly? And I have to say, blindly, okay, because that's the truth, okay. After all this misinformation, non-caring for the Democrats, I don't get that. Okay,
1: so you say blindly, and then you say it's the truth, and then you say misinformation in a sense. So let, let's 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 unpack this. <clears throat> and and by the way, I'm not going to have time to answer your question fully. But I'll be glad to take it again. There are many reasons why black allegiance shifted over from Republicans to Democrats, and that shift began in the 1950s. By the way, if you looked in the 50s and before, well, actually, it began after Theodore Roosevelt's term, because Theodore Roosevelt did something that absolutely, and I don't have time to go through the whole historical lesson here, but he did something that absolutely enraged black people in this country, and it's not. Widely known. Up until then, black people were predominantly Republicans, okay? And then the shift happened Then came the Civil Rights Movement. Now, many people don't know that during the Civil Rights Movement, the first person, by the way, who brought Dr. King to Washington, D.C., wasn't some Democrat, it was Richard Nixon, Richard Milhouse Nixon. And if it were not for Republicans, the Civil Rights Movement would have been stalled the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act were passed with Republican votes against a Democrat Party filibuster. So there was still Republican support. And then, of course, comes the brilliant marketing of the Democrats, and that brilliant marketing started taking place after JFK. They made JFK a hero of civil rights, and then comes the passage of the quote-unquote civil rights bill with Republican votes under Democrat President Lyndon Baines Johnson. And from then on, the Democrats were believed to be the champions of civil rights, even though the civil rights bill was passed against Democrat objections. And the Republicans have done a poor job of messaging ever since. And they've pretty much given up. You can't have votes. You cannot have votes that you don't work for. And when you take votes for granted, they go away. That's part of the answer. A lot more complicated than that. And so, George, I'll take your question again on another weekend, and we can talk about this in depth. James Golden, a.k.a. Snerdly, we're coming back with Princess Die right after this.
0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on 77 WABC.
1: W. ABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Fame. Yeah. This was the... What was the name? That was the movie, Fame. And then Maniac was the other song on this. Maniac was Michael Sambello Michael Cimbello wrote that. And Cimbello played a lot with Stevie and has co-written some songs with Stevie. But this was the uh, lead song off that album, Fame. Do we have Maniac? And we got to get to Princess die. Princess, Your Majesty, I'm sorry, but we're coming right to you. But just a quick second of Maniac. So, and then, how fitting, too. Right. Chris... You know, Michael Cimbello had uh, a solo album, and this sounds a lot like that. It it didn't really sell well, but it was this kind of production. Chris Jasper's here already too.
5: Yes, I'm here and uh, happy to be here with you. And uh, you know, it's been a great uh, it's
1: great seeing you again. Good to see you too. We'll be with you. Let us talk to Her Majesty Princess Di. Her Majesty Princess Di is on the line. Good, good morning, Princess. Your Highness.
11: Good morning, sir, James. It's so great to hear your voice as always.
1: Okay, thank you. And, and, and I thank you for, we didn't bring you a fanfare on. I'm, I'm trying to conserve a little bit of time because we're going to do some music stuff shortly. But I wanted to ask you this question. Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, who yesterday we talked about as being a recipient, she's been nominated for the Profiles in Courage Award from the JFK people. Um, today, she's denying that she's, <laughs> that she's the one behind the leak of the Kevin McCarthy tapes that actually proved him to be a liar and double dealing with Donald Trump. What are you, do you believe her?
11: I really find this fascinating because now that has become the parlor game in Washington, D.C. as to where did this come from, who leaked the tape, and who's who. It's a, It's that kind of inside baseball kind of discussion. To me, I don't really care who leaked the tape. There are, were many people on this phone call, the Republican caucus and staffers. It could have been anyone. And maybe it was her. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The fact is that the tape reveals what it reveals. And, you know, McCarthy looks bad, which to me is a win-win for our side, because when the Republican leadership is taken down a peg and then they have to kiss conservative, but then it uh, puts us in a better position to actually pressure the Republican leadership, who naturally are not on our side.
1: Now, I never thought I would find anything in this day and age where I would agree with the Trump hater, uh, Mr. Kinziger. But Adam Kinsiger has come out and said this audio tape with McCarthy proves that Republicans the leadership thinks that the party members are completely dumb.
3: Mm hmm.
11: Yes. But that is true of all the elites in Washington, D.C. They think the voters are dumb. And that explains how they come at us and how they lie to us and how they pretend to be uh, advocating for positions that we are feeling strongly about, and then they never actually do them. So it's usually election time. They talk conservative lingo, and then they ignore us in between elections. So, yes, it is, I think, interestingly, through the Trump years, that has become widely known by the Republican voter, and that is a good thing, knowing the truth.
1: Speaking of truth, there's an op-ed in the New York Times. um, What is Jamel um, uh, Bowie? I think I I hope I pronounce his name right. Anyway, he used to be with Slate. I used to read his outrageous stuff when he was with Slate. And then he moved from outrageous stuff at Slate over to the New York Times. He has a piece today. He says Democrats can no longer ignore the culture wars. Like, like, it's almost like, you know, Russ used to talk about this. Like, like they were never part of it. Like they, they were never part of the history. And all of a sudden, here they come. This is, they can, they are the culture war. You know, for the first
11: time, I think they're feeling that they're in a war because our side has engaged. And thanks to Rhonda DeSantis and the parents who've been involved in all, going to all of these school board meetings and protesting some of the curriculum that's being presented to their children that has been the vanguard and the pioneering of the culture war on our side. And so it makes sense to me that Jamel Bowie, I don't know how his, his name is pronounced either. I don't mean any to suspect. I just don't know. Bowie, I think it is. I think it's Bowie, it, yeah. Yes, it makes sense that he feels for the first time that Democrats are under attack. It's because for the first time... The opposition is pressing back, and that is also a wonderful thing because they are really unfamiliar with how, how to proceed if the Republicans or the conservatives aren't surrendering.
1: Exactly. Now, there is a story from Fox News this morning. Oberman, one of the old has-beens on the Democrat punditry side and, and TV side, and others, other liberals are suggesting a very simple solution to the, for the rodent kingdom. Um, They think that the rodent kingdom ought to pick up stakes in Florida, move the rodent kingdom out of Florida, and move it somewhere else. Uh, (laughs) This is not even realistic. Do you think that Disney would ever consider moving their little rodent kingdom out of Florida to another state because they're – is this – let me ask you another question. Let me start with this question. This law doesn't take effect until another year. Right. Now, after all this public posturing, the CEO from Disney came out again and doubled down. He doubled down. He's like not giving up. He's saying they're going. Disney's going to fight the law. They're going to do everything they can. Right? I wonder how long the shareholders are going to put up with this nonsense, number one, because their stocks are tanking. Their stock price is tanking. But then you have all these liberals. Well, let's just move. Let's just move it. Let's move it to Colorado. Who the hell wants to go to Disney? I sh- I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Debbie, I'm sorry. Who the heck, my my speech police, who the heck wants to go to Colorado to go to Disney? Who is, I don't even want to go to the rodent kingdom and it's in Florida. Who wants to go to Colorado to the rodent kingdom? So is this a, is this a, what, what do you think? Is this a good idea? Well, you know,
11: these stories, there were two stories, one from Fox News where liberals are saying move and then a Newsweek story saying other states are inviting Disney to come to their states, which are far superior to Florida in their view and it actually so based on a few tweets by a few people um oh you know oberman is a bit of a extremist himself and he says tear it down build a new and better facility in a nearby state not run by religious zealot buffoons this is (laughs) this is by someone who's clearly never built anything in his life and just simply he thinks this is a simple thing to move you know has never run a business has never built a building and that's how liberals think. Well, just go build it elsewhere. I do not think it's serious. Although, as you say, Disney stock is down from $200 a share a year ago to 119 a share yesterday, which is almost cut in half. So they are hurting. Interestingly enough, they are going to have to, and no one is joining them, if you notice, in the state of Florida, no other corporations are saying, yeah, yeah, (laughs) go up against DeSantis and and the legislature. So, Disney is exposed and all along all alone, and this is coming as DeSantis correctly pointed out, from Burbank, California that's where Disney is headquartered. So you know this was DeSantis's view when you try to impose a woke ideology on the state of Florida, that is a significant threat, and that is what DeSantis is pushing back on. It was the threat by these woke corporations from the coast. And the pressure being put by the left using corporations that has been now is being fought against, which is a really important battle to have if you're a conservative, you have to push back on this government corporation partnership that is going on to impose a leftist ideology on people, and that has got to be pushed back on and thank goodness that DeSantis has started
1: Your Highness, as always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your brilliant analysis, Princess Di, and we'll catch up with you next week. Thank you. Thank you, James. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Mr. Snurdly, We're coming back with Chris Jasper right after this.
0: Talk Radio 77, WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC.
1: Isley, Jasper Isley. Caravan. Caravan of Love on WABC Talk Radio 77. Chris Jasper's in the house with us from the Isley Brothers. He's got a new song. We're going to be talking about that much more. Let's listen to it a little bit first, though. Love this song. Oh! singing loud because you know i go off key i used to be in a band chris they told me you don't sing you can do the spoken word <laughs> parts but you will not sing that's you oh. singing lead on this right yeah,
5: yes yes and this is uh this is Isaac jasper Isley's uh biggest song actually uh, brings back a lot of
1: memories. Keep it up. Sing with it. Let's hear your voice. Come on, Chris. The horse in the morning.
5: <laughs> Come on, just a little bit. I'm your brother. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah. Got to open up a little bit. You know, get a little tea in there. You know, the world, tea and honey. Okay. <laughs> <In your> day, <laughs> yeah, man. I I'm, I'm see. I'm a I'm a late night guy. You know, we we stay up late and work. You know. Oh, I know, so, that's right. you know, morning is kind of different for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you get, guys get up early, but, man, I know, you yeah. know,
1: I'm I, usually still asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I get up about the time you were probably going to bed. Right? Yeah,
5: man, you know, sun comes upon us sometime, you know. Oh, yeah. I love this song, Chris. Yes. it's It's, it's got to be my favorite because it was a turning point for me, you know, um. I was starting to learn more about the scriptures. And the song is based on the scriptures, you know, in the the Bible. Uh, And, you know, Christ Returns. And it's just an important song, important message to get out there. And I'm so glad it was a big song because that message went all over the world,
1: you know. Lovely. And uh, really dear to me. You know, we played also Harvest for the World a little bit ago. Yes, that's another, yeah. And that, when I first heard that song, Chris, I tell you, I cried, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that one, that one broke, that one inspired me and also broke my heart at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, I
5: know. That was, uh, I remember recording that, and um, you know, we knew it was, a, it was a special song. You know, when we finished it, and that's why we named the album, you know, Harvest for the World. Um, and uh, I wrote a prelude to it in oh. the in the studio. I in said, the studio yeah because we we finished a song and I said, you know something I said it should be something that sets this up because it's such an important message you know so I took about a half an hour and came up with the prelude, you know and uh, we put that right in front of it you know to kind of
1: set it off so, okay, yeah. so let's let's do some history first. yeah so when I was a young young Tyke, you know, there were the Isley brothers, right? Yeah. And and you had to be a young type, too. I was young, yeah. I was right out of college, yeah. You were right. But so but, when I, no. No, no.
5: When I, I remember when I did Harvest for the World.
1: Okay, when you and did Harvest. So we you were right, right out of car-, car When you were already performing.
5: Yeah, we were performing way before that, yeah. With them. Yeah, we, you know, right uh, early 70s, you know, right after Is Thing, you know, came out. Uh, the three of us started to, you know, join the band. You know, and then it wasn't till 73 when the public saw us on the albums too. you know, the three plus three album. That's what three plus three meant, because we were a separate group. You know, me, Ernie and Marvin, we had our own trio. Right. And they were with Motown. And, you know, uh, as time went on, you know, uh, they they came to our gigs and they wanted us to join them. And so when when that happened, uh, we
1: thought the appropriate title would be three plus three. And that was, the, that was the album with that lady on it. Yes. But I want to go back before that, because I first, when I was a little guy, I was rocking to a song that I still love, and that would be uh, This Old Heart of Mine by the uh, Isley Brothers. And you had to be a kid, too, when this, or, or maybe was, not even a twin. I was in, in your, high school. You yeah. were in high school when this song came out. Yeah. This is still yeah. one of my favorites. I just yeah love Holland it. Dozier and Holland yeah and Ronnie's performance on this is like amazing.
5: Yes, yes. This is this was a big hit for them at Motown because uh, uh, you know Motown you know had a lot of hits. You know oh, they yeah. had a, you know, a lot of artists, a lot of producers, and um, I believe this song was originally written for the Four Tops. Really? But for some reason they couldn't do it, and you know they said, okay, well let's try it on the on the Isaac brothers and. And they did, and it worked out perfectly.
1: Ooh, this never gets old.
5: You know, hit records have a way of uh, living forever. <laughs> you know, um, you know, if, if it's a big enough song, you know, and if it's if it hits, you know, uh, a certain theme in the lyric. You know, mm-hmm. where people identify with it. It, you know, it just lives on and on, you know. So you went to
1: Juilliard, didn't you?
5: Yes, I did. I attended Juilliard, um, and I studied composition there for a year. And, um, I heard that, uh, Billy Taylor was going to be, uh, teaching at the course, Legendary. Yes, out at CW Post in Long Island. And I was, you know, I was partial to jazz because that's what our trio was. It was a jazz trio, we called ourselves. So I said, I want to go and see, I want to study at, at that post, you know, because in composition at Juilliard, we were only writing atonal music, you know, which is okay, but it's not my my thing, you know. And so um, when I went to post, I was able to, you know, compose jazz and, you know, classical stuff and whatever I wanted to. And that kind of freed me up, you know, and uh, that's why I transferred there. And I graduated from uh, CW Post.
1: Do you still listen to classical music?
5: Yes, on occasion. Uh but mostly, I have to admit you know r and b and you know rock uh basically what I listen to the most
1: yeah <clears throat> I like classical music every now and again, oh yeah, and yeah. so you used to so you went to that whole composition and understanding uh, analyzing it, you know, breaking
5: it down to nuts and bolts, and you know writing for different instruments you know orchestration, the whole thing so um i'm I'm used to looking at music from that standpoint. I even play my uh some some of my piano parts and keyboard parts with orchestra in mind, you know. That's why, you know, uh the Isaac Brothers say from seventy three to um to eighty three, we didn't use any other musicians. And the reason for that was, you know, I would uh with the synthesizer, filling in a lot of voices that maybe the mm-hmm. orchestra you know, would play. And um That's kind of my compositional background that, you know, the group kind of relied on. And then there was Ernie. And Ernie. And uh, and he added the rock, uh, the feel to it, yeah, (laughs) which added another
1: dimension to it. I remember when that lady came out, people flipped. They wigged because Ernie's playing was reminiscent of Hendrix. Yes. And most people don't know that Hendrix played with the Isley Brothers before he broke. Hendrix was with the Isley Brothers before he became the rock and roll icon that he became.
5: That's true. Yeah, he he was, Hendrix played for you know a, a lot of different groups, but when he was with the Isleys, you know, um, I think it may be two year, two or three years that, that he played with the, the band. He was you know he kind of took took over the show sometimes. <laughs> Got to, to pull him back, you know. <laughs> okay, Jimmy, don't don't do too much, you know. <laughs> but uh, he was he was really a character and uh, a showman, you know. And he eventually went to England. And uh, established his own group, and
1: you know the rest is history. The rest is history, as they say. But then yeah. came along, who's that lady? And you still hear this song. Who, did, did, who? Okay, explain the writing. Was this a collaborative writing on this song? Yeah, me and Marvin,
5: you know, collaborated, you know, on this song. But this was a um, an updated version of a previous Isley Brothers song that came out, um, I think, in 1964 something, but it didn't sound anything like this, you know, I totally rearranged it, you know, the only thing that's similar is who's that lady, (laughs) 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 that's it, everything else is different, you know.
1: Now, the thing about Hendrix that most people, and I mean, I love Ernie's playing, Ernie's playing here, and you know, I'm partial, my favorite, I mean, I have so many from Ernie that I like, and the group. Mm-hmm. But my absolute favorite Ernie Isley solo is Summer Breeze. The Summer album Beach, and yeah. the live version. But the album version of Summer Breeze, every time I hear his solos on that, it just... And on this one, it blows my mind. Yeah. And Voyage to, to Atlantis. Hey, Fade, let's do a crossfade. Let's hear a little bit of Voyage to Atlantis. This was an album cut. And a lot of people, this never made it as a 45 hit. But this was so, yeah, everybody loves this on your albums. And that's the thing about an Osley Brothers album. You play the whole album because there was never a bad song on the album.
5: Yeah, this this was kind of recorded with the um, stage in mind. You know, doing a show tune, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, a lot, a lot of the ballads were written that way um, to elicit you know response from the audience, and and it did. I mean, this (laughs) was a this was a big uh, song in the show.
1: Oh yeah.
6: How can I know?
1: "Voyage to Atlantis" the Isley Brothers. If memory serves right, this is the Heat Is On album. Or was it? This is no, this is uh, one of Winter, this What? Uh, um Showdown, was it? Showdown or Winter Tickler. I don't yeah, look.
5: It, it, yeah, it was one of one of those two.
1: Because y'all had one album after another, yeah, was, after another, then came Fight the Power. Fight the Power was, was huge. Yeah. And matter
5: of fact, WABC was one of the first stations to play it. Yeah. I was I was really pleasantly surprised with that. You know, yeah, I was, I was driving in my car, you know, and uh, I flipped ABC on, and it had just come out. Fight the Power was on the radio. I said, "Hey, let me go back and tell Ernie." <laughs> I went back
1: to the house. I said, "Ernie, man,
5: ABC just played Fight the Power, man. You know, that's fantastic." You know?
1: Do you remember the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? What it felt like and what which one it was? Oh, um, well, it was a
5: it was a song that we were recording with. Um, you know, the, the three other guys, we were just starting to play in the band, you know. Uh, I think it was either Pop That Thing or uh, Love The One with, you you With. Love know, The One, one you With was awesome. Yeah, uh, one of those songs. And, um, you know, just to hear a song that, you know, you had something to do with, you know, was great. You know, whether you wrote it or not. And um, that's always great for me when I hear a song on the radio. Even now, you know, as, as, as
1: many songs as I've, I've done. It's still great to hear a song on the radio. When we come back, I want to play what has to be. I mean, I have so many. I keep saying my favorite, my favorite, my favorite. But there's one to me that is, it is just, I don't know, one of the iconic Isley Brothers songs of all times. And I think everybody who hears it loves it. And we'll do that on the way back in James Golden. And then we're going to debut your new song, which I can't wait for. Oh, yeah. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Chris Jasper, Isley Brothers with us. We're coming right back.
0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh no's politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
1: On WABC Talk Radio 77, we're here with Chris Jasper. Keep the music up. Isley Brothers, Chris. Yeah, man. Uh, I
5: wrote this one, like, right out of college. And we started to use the synthesizer a lot more at this time, you know. Um, And that line, you know, it's a a counter melody, you know, uh, to the main melody, you know. And um, I didn't know it, but at the time, that was the first time, you know, uh, someone had done that is do a counter melody along with the the main melody of the song and it turned out to be one of the biggest songs in our in our uh, show you know when this we hit so- that mm-hmm. you know
1: the crowd would just you know
5: react.
1: and we still do I mean, yeah. every time you hear this song this song
5: yeah it's
1: like, huh. I, like I say
5: sometimes when you when you hit that that right chord you know it, it, it just
1: Lives on, you know. Song just lives on. I have two two d- memories of this song outside of. I still play this song in my regular music playlist because to me this is just I, I this is a song I never get tired of hearing. Never ever get tired of hearing this song, right? Yeah. But I have two memories of this song. So my cousin who was in radio, Jerry Bledsoe, Jerry B, used to hang out with you guys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw Jerry a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I was hanging out with Jerry, and Jerry was like one day, oh, let's go let's go over to the Eisley's house. So we went over Ronnie's house over in Teaneck, mm-hmm. and I remember this. It just blew my mind. Ronnie was just walking around the house doing something. He was just singing this, just like, you know, how you just sing something you're not really... Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to him singing this in his house, and his vocal was... So amazing. I'm listening to this and I'm like, this is almost better than being at the concert to just hear it come out of his mouth. Well, yeah, a personal uh, concert, right? (laughs) And and then there was the concert that you guys did at Madison Square Garden when this song was hot. And in the and and after the second verse, after it came out of the intro, you took the lead and you sang it. And everybody went wild because this was the first time they ever heard you sing. And it was just, it blew everybody's mind. Yeah, that was, that that
5: became part of the show, you know. Um, I don't know when it started, but, uh, you know, he would say, he he just went out of the blue. And it was, I wasn't even expecting it. You know, he just said, "Uh, yeah, I want my brother-in-law, you know, Chris Jasper to come out and sing, you know. And I came over there and I said, I got to just go off the top of my head, you know, because we never rehearsed it, you know. Whoa. And I just, I just started singing. And um, I think I did a little bit of Michael McDonald thing and then a little bit of Marvin Gaye thing, you know, and the people just loved it, you know, and I just, we just kept doing it.
1: What's it like <laughs> to be a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, that's a
5: great honor, um, you know, to be recognized in that way, you know. Um it just, it just shows that the music, you know, had an impact, um, you know, on, on people's lives, you know, when, when, when you're, when you reach that kind of, uh, recognition, you know, the Grammy's same thing, you know, um, it's just, I don't even know how to put it into words, but it's, um, it's something that I never thought about, you know, because I was always worried about writing music. You know, what's the next song I'm going to write, you know, um, try to, to, just try to keep a certain level, uh, of, of,
1: um, Excellence, I guess you could say, but it's just a great thing to me. Well, speaking of the next song that you're going to write, it's that time. Let's hear it.
10: And now, on the Saturday
0: morning radio extravaganza, the debut broadcast of We Are the People, We Are the Nation, written and performed by Chris
3: Jasper. stand from sea to sea, you won't hear us on the radio or on TV, we believe in love and family, the rule of law and democracy, we are the people. We are the nation. We are the people. We are the nation. We fought the wars across the sea. We made the sacrifice to establish peace. Endured the struggles of civil rights. So that equality would define our lives. We are the people. We are the nation. Race and creed, we stand united in what we believe, and we will always keep the faith and come together in peace. One day, we fall the people.
1: This is a tribute to America.
5: Yes. Yes, I I felt that, you know, America's voice wasn't being heard, really. And it's important to say how much we have in common. You know, we have so much more in common than we have differences. And um, that's why I wrote this song.
1: Chris, the album that you are releasing, Raise the Bar, where can people find it and find this song? Uh, well, Raise the Bar, this is this is a preview. Um, and the album
5: is going to officially be released on June 1st, and uh, it will be available on um, CD and on vinyl. And where can people find this song? Oh, uh, chrisjasper.com. Um, that's where all my music is. You can find everything there.
1: Just hit the chrisjasper.com. You know, you are unapologetically... <clears throat> a lover of America a yes. lover of America's people yes and you are unapologetically spiritual absolutely and that's who I am I mean you know um, you know,
5: God is very important in my life and um, um, if I could just represent him in a small way you know I'm happy
1: that's That's what I'm I'm about. I have so loved your music over the years, over the decades, you and the family. The Isley Brothers are just part of the American fabric. And so I just want to thank you for coming and spending this time with us and letting us Debut your song, Chris. It is just—it's awesome to see you again, my friend. It,
5: it is great to see <laughs> you, man. And I—I I, I like the way you set that up.
1: You know, <laughs> that was great. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for that. Yeah. And WABC, we here love you. We love, we love the Isley Brothers. We are in love with the Isley Brothers and all great music here on WABC. Thank you for being part of it. Thank you, James Golden, A.K. Sterling, You know, Larry Cutlow is coming up next, and Larry's hanging out. I see Larry is waiting to go. Did you like that, Larry? On in. Come on in. You know, Larry, Larry yes. Kudlow is one of the premier economists in the world. Oh, yeah. Well, I see him on TV all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we all. <clears throat> so Larry's coming Larry's, uh, coming up next. And then later tonight, we have Cousin Brucey coming back with Music Radio, WABC. And this has just been a real treat for me. You know, music is a, is a part of my life. Many of you don't know, or some of you may not know, I was the last, the very last music director of WABC Music Radio, and I walked out of one studio producing the uh, the last day of music, the day they called the music died. It's not dead. It's back here on WABC. And then walked in another studio and produced uh, the first talk show for WABC. And WABC has been a part of my life for so many years, um, even before I began working for WABC. Of course, like Chris, we those of us New Yorkers, we listen to WABC coming out. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this was, this was, this was, we listened to all the music stations, but you know what I dug about WABC and I talked about this recently, Times Running Out. One of the things that WABC did, and this is part of the history of this place with Rick Sklar, when Rick Sklar, that was before my time programming. WABC, to me, I call it the civil rights of radio. That's what happened here because for the first time in pop music, It didn't matter what color you were. It didn't matter. None of the externals mattered. If your song was being listened to and being purchased in sufficient quantity, then it got on, and that was top 40. We're going to play the top 40 songs in America, regardless of all the other stuff, and as a result of that, American music blossomed, and this radio station is the iconic radio station in the world when it comes to Top 40 radio. We leave with the Isley Brothers, James Golden, A.K. Snurley. We'll be back next week. God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We are New York City strong, America the greatest nation in humanity. See you next week. Bye.